Welcome to another episode of the Made of Dreams podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Riley. I'm a singer-songwriter who loves the creative process and talking about it with people who inspire me in the hopes of inspiring you to add a little creativity to your life and maybe find some new music to listen to along the way. Today, I'm chatting with Karen Bridges and Clint Thompson of the Americana group Stone and Snow. The duo formed in 2012 and began their collaboration filled with close harmonies and thoughtful lyrics and named it with a nod to the mountain landscapes of the West, Stone and Snow. They just earned the title Best Folk Soul Artist at the 2022 Richmond International Film and Music Festival and are celebrating their new release, Delicate and Wild, that was recorded with Grammy-nominated producer David Mayfield and just came out on March 31st. On top of all of that, Karen and Clint are passionate about elevating women in music. With the underground listening room they created called The Hallowed Hall, their work collecting data on the gender balance in their local scene, and Karen's involvement as an instrument instructor for young girls with Girls Rock CU. Welcome, Karen and Clint. Good to see you guys. Hey. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having us. Okay, well, I don't want to jump right ahead of myself because since I know you guys, I have a tendency (laughs) to do that sometimes. I'm going to start off with a couple getting to know you questions. So it's kind of like a rapid fire situation. All right. So here goes. You have to sing karaoke. What's your go-to song? (laughs) Probably uh, Just a Girl by No Doubt. That's a good one. I like it. I've never done karaoke before. Never in your whole entire life? No, no, never done it. Okay, but yeah. if you were yeah, I like to have a held at gunpoint, gunpoint to do karaoke, um, you can have your guitar, you just can't play it. <laughs> air guitar. <laughs> you play air guitar. Um, <laughs> gosh, I'm overwhelmed with the choices. Um, there are so many. So many. Um, There's usually a binder full of them. <laughs> I'm not good at this on the spot. Now I don't know what to say. Um, should I just pick anything? Yeah, you can. You just pick anything? What's the okay. first song that comes to your mind right now? Uh, Bo Burnham. <laughs> I knew it. Spider. Spider. <laughs> that sounds fun. I don't know that one. <laughs> oh, you should definitely Google that. I'm going to. Bo Burnham Spider. It's on my list. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this one should be easier, I think. Coffee it's or tea? <laughs> tea. Coffee. Coffee? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is there an artist that made you want to become an artist? Probably Bob Dylan for me. Got me started when I was 15. So, yeah. He would be the main one. Oh, that's harder for me. Because I had a lot of pop divas in my childhood that I looked up to. (laughs) Like someone like Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston. Yeah, those are both really good ones. Have you seen the, isn't there like a Whitney documentary that's kind of new? Yes, but I haven't seen it. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but I'm going to. That's also, it's on my ever-growing list of things to do (laughs) and watch and listen to. What's the first concert you went to? 
Mine was uh, Clint Black and Winona Jed. Okay. I was probably like uh, Where was that? 12 or 13, maybe. I don't even remember. Okay. It's a good show. I'm trying to think. I think the first concert I went to was this singer-songwriter named Jennifer Knapp. Yeah. I've heard of her. Yeah. She yeah. used to be, well, she started off as like a Christian artist. She's no longer. Once she came out, of course, that whole machine rejected her. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. I think that was the first up. song I heard, actually, with the one where she she had a song about that. And yeah. I was it was really good. Yeah. Okay. Last rapid fire. <laughs> what is your most used emoji? <laughs> Thumbs, Thumbs up. up. Thumbs up. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> it just works for so many things on so many levels. Mine's probably the clenched teeth emoji. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, oh my god. <laughs> I, like I guess it. it's a close second for me with uh, thumbs up or eye roll. I roll. Oh, yeah. I roll. Got a, a lot of things to roll your eyes at. These days. <laughs> totally. I'm with you. <laughs> totally with you. Okay. So let's talk about your musical influences and how that's kind of shaped what you guys do together. Do you have like vast differences of influences between you or did you find that you listened to a lot of the same things that helped create what you guys have going on. <laughs> I would say we definitely have varied influences between us. Yeah. 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 Um, I kind of, I mean, if, if we, if we talk about what we grew up listening to, or we talk about kind of like the music that we were into as we were learning to sing and learning to play instruments, I don't know, where do we start? Yeah. I feel like that's vastly different. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. What you listen to growing up is sometimes just what's on the radio or what your parents like, but it was definitely influential. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just listening to, I primarily listened to oldies, fifties and sixties and, and country music, whatever was popular on the radio, like in the eighties. That's pretty much what I came up with listening to. But then when I turned 14 or 15, I started listening to like Bob Dylan and Neil Young and all that, all that stuff. Grateful Dead and just getting into classic rock after that. Um, Yeah. And blues, got into blues around that time, but. Were you playing guitar at that time as well? I started when I was 15. Yeah. A friend of mine had gotten a guitar and we, it was my best friend at the time. So I naturally went out and got one right away just so we could hang out and jam, jam all the time. So. But yeah, we were heavy into that Bob Dylan kind of music scene. But you are not. In the no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm still like learning new things about, you know, the world of Bob Dylan and his vast catalog from Clint. I obviously knew of him, but I, I really didn't listen to his music until we started writing together. I grew up, you know, in the 90s. And yeah, my mom listened to a lot of a lot of pop divas. So like our upbringings are, are very vastly different, but now since we've been writing together, I think we listen and like a lot of the similar sounds, I guess I would say. Yeah. 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 Like we do like a lot of Americana. Mm -hmm. Um, and we like jazz. We like jazz. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I, I studied jazz for 
Did you? A bit when I was growing up, yeah. That's how I kind of learned to improvise. Wow. I went to jazz camp for several summers when I was in high school. So that really helped me not uh, just like regurgitate what maybe someone else was doing, but kind of make things my own and have more confidence. I think that learning jazz and learning to improvise really helps with your confidence for sure. And that that's a place where we identify because I'm, I don't read any music. She can read music, but I, I rely completely on my ear um, and improvising, which is something, you know, as you get into blues, you have to, you have to kind of figure out if that's something that you can do because without it, it can get pretty boring. So <laughs> I learned to start improvising from a pretty early age. And that's one of the best things about music for me, because I just kind of feel that music and the way that I play is like this living, breathing thing that it's not, it's not supposed to be the same way every time you do it. There's room for, you know, subtle changes or different things you can do vocally or instrumentally. And that keeps things interesting for me and keeps me from getting burned out or bored or something. So, yeah. I like yeah. that perspective. That's that's a very good perspective. It reminds me, I don't know if you've read this book, but it's called The Music Lesson. And I've only read half of it, but there was a part there was a part in there where it said there's no such thing as a wrong note because it just is leading to the right one. And it reminded me you just I was like, yeah, that's really cool. Because if you hit a wrong note, but it's on the way to if you just keep going, it might be like, well, yeah. What, yeah. what a bold choice, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And that's where the confidence comes in too. Yeah. Because you have to sing through things, you know, like when you're scatting in jazz vocally, I mean, you're going to, you're going to hit some weird things, but if you just keep going and you sing through it, you, you're confident about it. Those sort of things seem intentional and the audience doesn't know it's not intentional. And that's it's called jazz. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> It's called jazz, folks. <laughs> you can't see my jazz hands. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's talk about what makes you feel the most creative. Hmm. Well, I guess for me, back to what I was just saying, but playing playing in a live situation, it's one thing to rehearse the songs. You know, we get the songs rehearsed and everything, and to do that and you kind of like you have a template and you follow that but then when you go out and play it live I just always feel like okay I don't want to follow that template 100 percent I'm going to follow it 90 percent or whatever but then I know that there are little things that can be done and and just playing live to me it's a lot more motivation for me to <laughs> to try my best and to really put my best foot forward I don't know if you feel that way like when I get in front of an audience like I'm on I'm on my best, you know, hopefully I am. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that I, it sounds like you're saying you like to be creative in the moment. Yeah. That's what I was, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. It's a long way around. I, I don't know that I'm necessarily the same way. Like I think I feel most creative when I'm not on stage and I'm in nature <laughs> and yeah. I feel like I can write things when I'm quiet and I'm around natural things 
Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, when it comes to our music, any solos that are taken are usually by me. And so that is a place where I feel like, especially in a live situation can be creative or it's my chance to be creative and do something different than I did last time. But I could see that for you being more from the writing aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do a set list? Oh yeah. When you perform, yeah, you have a set list. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do like, I usually don't have a set list. So that's my creativity in live situations. I'm like, Hmm, what next? (laughs) (laughs) And if I don't have it like written down in front of me, I'll look, I'll space out. Like, what should we do? I don't know what, I don't know any of our songs all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know some Uh, people do that on the fly. I can't like, that's impressive. I couldn't, I got it. I gotta know what's coming. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I I don't know why. When I had a band, they were always like, "Oh my gosh, write a set list, even if you change it." <laughs> like, anyway, um, well, that could be part of it. I mean, when it's not just the, you, yeah. oh yeah, you kind of yeah. gonna be a little organized sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any creative practices that keep you motivated to work on your music? It sounds like Karen. Do you do most of the lyric writing? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. So I will write poetry or actually, I I feel like I'm inspired more by film. A lot of people say like, well, who are you reading? But I'm inspired by film a lot to write. So there's a lot of research in watching, <laughs> watching films. Films and just... <laughs> Anything you watch, right? Yeah. Documentary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a documentary junkie. Yeah. So there's that. But. Well, that makes sense because I think you're visual. You like to do, you do some videography and stuff for your, your guys's yeah. music. So that makes sense that the visual stuff would also um, inspire you. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So do you feel like you have a schedule of writing or is it when inspiration strikes? What did it used to be? Because we're kind of in this <laughs> we're limbo kind of like, right now. We're kind of, I don't know. We're trying to, to change things up. The pandemic's been a disruptor to the process. And yeah. significant you know, life events. Yeah. And so for me, it used to be a thing where it was like, I try to have songwriting Sundays where oh, I would cool. just yeah. designate Sunday to just writing. But I find that I have more time now outside of the weekend to do mm-hmm. that. And I'm still, I think, trying to navigate what that looks like. I don't think things can be put in a box as far as like, oh, this is the time I'm going to write songs and it won't be any other time. I also try to like, if a phrase comes into my head any time of the day, I want to stop and write it down and put it in a lyric journal, basically, so that I can come to it later when I'm ready to, you know, structure things out a little bit more. Yeah. So it's half, I guess it's half in the moment and it's half being disciplined to say, like, I'm going to work on this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm not a self-starter when it comes to writing that pretty much rely on her to start with something i like to collaborate and that's another way i definitely feel i can be creative is once we start working on something i know there's a bridge that needs to be written or 
an instrumental passage or something like that, then that that's definitely a, a good opportunity for me to try to showcase some creativity as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd give you some work to do. Yeah, give me something. To do. <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me. That's funny. So you guys have really great harmonies too. Do you feel like, does that come naturally or is that something you have to work out in your arrangements? Definitely have to work it out. Depends on who's singing lead. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a classically trained vocalist and that's my primary instrument, I feel like. So, you know, if he's singing lead on something, even if I don't even know the song, like I can, I can add something to that. But when it comes to like adding a harmony to something I'm singing lead on. I, I usually write those for him and then it's just a matter of him learning them, but, mm-hmm. and that's come easier yeah. over the years. Yeah. I definitely sure. learned a lot in the singing department from Karen and harmonies and things like that. Yeah. As I have to work at that. All- <laughs> yeah. I have to work at that too, honestly. And so it's, <laughs> I always used to joke, well, it's just my natural inclination to sing lead and, you know, (laughs) like kind of laugh about it. But it's a muscle that you can develop, I think, over time. And so it's like when you're singing along to the radio, maybe try the harmony instead of the lead all the time. And that's what I would do. Like growing Mm -hmm. up, I'd listen to the radio. Even if there wasn't a harmony part being sung, I would always just try to find it and sing along Mm -hmm. when you do that over and over and over again for many many years then you just start you just always hear them so yeah yeah practice yeah yeah practice should have started doing that (laughs) (laughs) well let's talk about your new album and the recording process of that and maybe the inspiration behind some of the songs so you guys recorded with david mayfield and yep. was that in Ohio? Is that right? Yeah. We went to this little red barn on a hill outside of Ohio. And David had recorded there before one time. I forget who was it with. Oh, the Tillers maybe? Yeah, I think so. And so the owners of the place were gracious enough to let him come back and we we stayed there for a week with him, just the two of us uh, and David in this barn and, and recorded all these songs. It was... Yeah, just hauled a bunch of gear into this little yeah. cabin and stayed until we were done, which we, haven't, we hadn't never done that before. Yeah. All of our other albums, it was like, you spend a weekend kind of getting uh, what we call the beds, you know, so like the the main things like the rhythm guitar and the drums and things like that. And then, and then we just start layering, you know, overdubbing over the next several weeks, if not months. months. Yeah. And so it was <laughs> nice just to be able to go and, and kind of live in the project until it was, yeah. as far as like what we were recording was done. I mean, all the mixing and editing still had to be done afterwards. But, yeah. So that was, and it we was did a pretty it cool experience. kind of unconventionally because usually you start with instrumentation and then layer vocals on top of that. But we decided to do the lead vocals in the beds because we were just all in one room together, right? So we couldn't, uh, there was no vocal booth. We didn't really have like, 
we couldn't separate each other and also be able to see each other. And so we did the whole thing live, but my lead vocals were part of the beds, which was cool for some reasons and others. Like we can never have instrumental versions of these songs because my leads are always are in the bed. Yeah. That's a downside. I don't know that I would do it that way again, because there's value to having the instrumental versions of your tracks. Um, But for this particular experience, it, it was it was cool to do it that way and just be able to see each other. And so it was my lead vocals, Clint's rhythm, guitar, and then David. He played upright bass on the whole album. So, wow. yeah. Seemed to work well. Had you guys worked with him before? No. No. We sh- yeah, we shared a stage with him at Brugula like okay. 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't Wow. He probably, I mean probably didn't remember no. us but we were just like I don't know I just reached out to him I sent him a message and was like hey we want to record because he had said he had a studio but I think it was shut down um from the pandemic and he's like yeah. well I don't have my studio anymore but I can go on location and I was like that sounds great so and he liked the songs and yeah he put some harmonies on yeah he sang some harmonies on some of the songs too so yeah, it's cool. really yeah so do you guys feel like you had a really good idea of what you wanted to go in and come out with or did you do a lot of pre-production with him how was that process I mean typically we just by the time we get into the studio we've been playing the songs live for a while so most of the songs were pretty well what they were going to be you know we knew what they were going to be and we were well rehearsed on them which is helpful to yeah. <laughs> reduce the number yeah. of takes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We hadn't played with Dave before we got there. True. So true. Okay. Yeah. The true. first night was like we just went through all the songs and yeah. you know, made notes as need be, but he was well prepared and we were well prepared mm-hmm. and so it went pretty smoothly. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, real quick, I want to tell you about my absolute favorite Can't Live Without It skincare product. I have been on a clean beauty mission and I love Skin X Erin. My favorite product is the pre-cleanse oil. I use that along with her super soft cleansing cloths to take off my makeup every night. It's 100% pure grapeseed oil, all power, no poison, and I swear it makes my eyelashes longer too. So I'm all in. All the products are so simple. There's three oils. My favorite, the pre-cleanse oil, a hydrating beauty oil, and a perfecting night oil to round it out. So head over to shopxerin.com, that's Erin, E-R-I-N, and use the code AshleyRiley10 for 10% off. Seriously, try it, because great skin is so rock and roll. Okay, so let's talk about a couple specific songs. I was listening today to your song Cruel, which got a nod from NPR's Tiny Desk as a top entry in 2020, which is very cool. Um, Yeah, so the, I mean, the lyrics of that song, I'm going to quote the chorus here. Don't try to let me down easy Please spare me your pity I mean, it's a pretty, I don't know, I would say like a moody slow burn and the lyrics, it 
sounds like there was obviously a painful relationship, but the feel of the song is so good. It's it's like it definitely encapsulates that lyric. Like I grew tired of this. It's like I've already moved on, and it feel it feels good. How intentional was that when you put that together? You know, the melody with those lyrics. I think I'm I'm influenced and inspired a little bit by Lake Street Dive. And so this song, I kind of wanted to do kind of a, it's like a soulful kind of a bop a little bit with this. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's probably that influence coming through a little bit. And then, yeah, it's kind of like someone is like, it's not you, it's me. And you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, I'm over this already. Like, you think you're over it? No, I was over a long time ago. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was really cool because, like you said, it is a bop. And then I was like, you know, listening to it, bopping along. And I'm like, whoa, these lyrics, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have more than one song like that. Where yeah. It might sound like a happy song, but if you, if you listen, if you to, the listen lyrics, to the lyrics. Not, yeah. But... <laughs> You know, no need to be a downer with the music and the lyrics. No, <laughs> right? Yeah, just get people's feet tapping along. Um, yeah. There's another. What? There's a lead single. Was it called Moon? Moonrise. Moonrise. Yeah. So that one's a love song to the moon. Yeah. It's one of our loser songs. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of these. <laughs> so, so there's this backstory to this record where we say it's filled with a bunch of loser songs. Because loser songs. <laughs> loser songs, yeah, because we wrote them for or entered them into certain songwriting contests and they didn't win. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we felt like they were still good songs. They felt like they were good. So, so like Cruel, you know, we entered the Titan yeah. contest. It didn't win, um, but, you know, it did get a nod from NPR, so that was cool. But then Moonrise, we had written specifically for a contest that had asked songwriters to write a song to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Oh, cool. And so we wrote this song and I, I like to joke my theory why we didn't win is because we didn't put like Neil Armstrong in the song and we didn't include like <laughs> we were too one, abstract. Yeah. We didn't include one small step in the lyrics. So <laughs> We got a little too yeah abstract with it. We That's what I we weren't cheesy enough. No. Yeah. That's funny. I know. Some of those competitions, they probably are wanting that like a little literal. That's yeah. funny. And we were very artistic about it. So but I think it's a cool little little love song. Yeah. So do you have a favorite song on the album or do you guys name favorites or not really? <laughs> Uh, sometimes we do. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I don't, I don't think I do. <laughs> you don't? You like them all equally? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mostly. Do you have a favorite song? I don't know, it's hard to pick. <laughs> I'm more of like, ooh, I really like the way the, the harmonies on this section of this song turned out. And oh, I really like the way this harmonica solo turned out or mm -hmm. can't say this is the best my favorite song on the album because of everything in the song right like i i like to pick and choose your favorite parts yeah, yeah. okay yeah. 
Yeah. I think I like the hardest part of loving you. Yeah. That would be my favorite one. We had fun doing that one. Yeah. That one's pretty bluesy, right? Yeah. 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 We did uh we did some interesting vocal stuff at the end of that with David. So yeah. we had fun. We just played we kept playing that thing, like we're like, let's just play it for a long time and then we'll eventually fade it. Did we say we, we were gonna, gonna fade, do it a out? fade yeah. out? But then so yeah, we repeated this vamp like a hundred times. It was like a six or seven minute song and we were gonna fade it out. But then the way David actually cut it up. We didn't need to. He just like started towards the end of where we were. I feel like where we were really getting into it. Um, and then it goes all the way to the end where it just kind of falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a little out tank again where I'm like, keep it rolling. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I like stuff like that. Trucker Karen. That's <laughs> okay. Trucker Karen. Trucker Karen came out. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the cover of the album because it has um, <laughs> something really a disturbing. Cat, a cat with tiny hands. <laughs> a cat with tiny hands. Whose idea was that? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but you—it was your idea. I had taken it was this. My idea? I'd taken this picture a, a, oh, long, was my a idea. while ago. It was kind of mine, but I was like, "Oh, he'll think it's a dumb idea." And then when you brought it up, I was like, "Yes, we're doing that." <laughs> So the cover, the cover is my friend's cat. Minerva is her name. She's like this little black rag doll uh, cat. And I don't know, somehow one night she's just sitting on the couch and my friend had this game. There's a game called tiny hands. And I grabbed the the hands from the game and I I was able to, to slide them under her just so. And she didn't move. And I took this picture with my phone in like really low light. I was really surprised that it was in focus, actually. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I think we were looking through the pictures or something later after we finished recording. And you were like, oh, that could be an album cover. (laughs) And I was like, well, she is delicate and wild. (laughs) She looks delicate and wild with these tiny hands and then where we were living at the time there were neighborhood cats that would stop by and hang out with us and so once karen ordered her own bag of tiny hands from amazon (laughs) yeah it was like every time a cat showed up and would just like sit down or get situated she'd run in and grab the tiny hands and she'd (laughs) be staging them and taking all these pictures like it was a bit of a set seemed like a series of yeah Yeah. put some more of those cats in the album yeah. somewhere which we did on the insert yeah the, the liner notes and the insert yeah. about the cd and the vinyl there's some of the neighborhood cats well i guess it's just the one there was this one so we can talk about cats for a moment <laughs> yes this one really chonky white cat we we don't know his name we call him geppetto for a while <laughs> i like it as a nod to meet the parents but he was a real chonky boy. He real homely looking. <laughs> he would just like he would just roll around too much. He really wanted you to pet his belly, which is really unusual for cats if you know cats. But he was always like, "Here's my belly, please pet it." So you couldn't put the hands under him because he was always belly up. So he didn't get it. So he didn't make it. But there was this uh, torty. She was real ornery. We called her Pinball because she 
would just pinball around your legs when you were standing on the porch. I'm sure that was not her name, but she, <laughs> she would not, you couldn't, she would show you her belly, but you couldn't get close to it. She would bite your face off. Lose a finger. Somehow I managed to get the hands under her on more than one occasion. So she's in the liner notes. She looks she's ridiculous. in the liner notes. I love it. That's so. very cool. And we're going to be selling tiny hands at the merch table all year long. So Yes. Tiny, <laughs> tiny clap. I like it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, that's awesome well you guys okay so you've utilized crowdfunding which is something that I've never been brave enough to do can you talk about that process do you feel like it brings you closer with your fans or your community when you do a crowdsourcing yeah yeah because they you know they kind of get to be part of it they you know, we'll put their names in the liner notes and, you know, you will write handwritten notes to them and stuff like that. And it's a great way to, well, like you said, they, I think it helps make them feel part of, Yeah. you know, rather just, they're not just getting the album. They helped us to make the album yeah. and they kind of get pulled into some of the, some of the behind the scenes things, you know, right. Once yeah. in a while. Like, and I think people want to do that. They yeah. want to be a part of it. They want to support our independent artists. And, you know, if you're worried about having the confidence to do that, you can always go like, you can go the Kickstarter route, but it's all or nothing. And I think that's what is nerve wracking. But if you yeah. choose a platform, if you do it on your website or you use like Indiegogo or someplace where you can have a flexible goal, there's a little less pressure to, to meet that. But I, I do understand that the all or nothing motivates you to, yeah, <laughs> to try to make it too. So yeah. it puts a little fire under people mm-hmm. to donate, to contribute. What was uh, your most funded item? Was it usually just the album itself or did people want like, you know, sometimes singing Valentine's or a random? <laughs> I think the vinyl was the most popular item, but we, we included a few unusual things like a, a first generation t-shirt where I had used like a stencil to put a squirrel on a bicycle. <laughs> we just like found that. that. I was yeah. like, oh, let's put that in the campaign. We had an extra vintage record player laying around. So we put that in the campaign, you know, it's kind of packaged, packaged it up with the vinyl. Yeah. A ukulele. We did a tour, a house concert tour to to Colorado in the summer of 2021 to promote We Were Made for These Times. And I, I didn't bring the ukulele because I was like, oh, I'm not going to play it. And then I'm looking at the set list and I'm like, I, totally I should have brought, brought the ukulele. <laughs> oh, man. So I actually stopped in Galesburg, Illinois, and at a music shop there and found a, a baritone ukulele there um, and bought that just for the tour. Had a really classy cardboard box that we <laughs> carried it around in. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But then when we came back, it was like, oh, I don't really need yeah. this ute. So we're like, oh, let's put it in the campaign. So yeah, we had someone snatch that up. So someone. But who- probably like oh, just the history of all of our albums, would you say like people just buying the album is the most? Yeah, or a t shirt. Or a t shirt. Yeah. Right yep. There's various packages. Yes. Yeah. I like to hear that. I've been asking a lot of people that that do crowdfunding because 
Like how weird do people want you to get, or do they just want the music, you know? And, and mostly it's the music, which makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that means people just want to support music. And I love to hear that. Yeah. So, they do. Um, and like, you want to, you know, make things at different price points. Cause some people want to support, they want the music, but they also want to give you more because they want to support greater what you're doing. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have a whole range of price points that helps people donate where they want and still feel like they get something valuable. So yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, do you guys have any advice for people who are starting out in music, creating art, anything that you would say to just encourage someone who wants to start creating or being creative and, you know, feels maybe a little weird or self-conscious about it. Don't move to, no. No. <laughs> location, location, location. That's what I it's important to have a community. Yeah. For sure. You can't, you know, create on an island. And also don't forget, like, even if you're an artist, you are still a business and you need to have a business mindset. You need to keep records of things. You need to just be organized. And if you're not organized, team up with somebody who is. Find a friend. <laughs> Find a friend. <laughs> Find a friend. I had no idea how organized she was when I met her. I had no idea. That's awesome. But I would also say, like, consider what kind of a scene you'd like to be part of right Mm -hmm. don't just don't just accept whatever your scene is if it's not the right one you know like I think you need to think about that and like what are your goals what are the kinds of uh, other musicians and and genres of music that you want to explore and play in are they available in your community are there opportunities for that if there aren't and, and you're able you know maybe maybe there's some relocating that you need to do but I think just having having the right scene is pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, unless you're just planning on traveling, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do that from anywhere. But yep. That's true. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Just and along with the whole community thing, you know, having a supportive yeah, mus- so, musical community. Yeah. So if you're not confident, then you're probably not going to self-start the community and you would hope that one would already be there for you to join and hopefully welcome you with open arms. <laughs> and that's got to be other musicians and it's got to be promoters and it's got to be, you know, club owners. And there has to be a supportive thing happening for music and not just how many people can you bring in and yeah. how cheap can you play? <laughs> exactly. You know, too many of those places. And it's hard to, it's hard to feel fulfilled after a while or just like, is what I'm doing, does it matter? You know, like I, it should yeah. matter to you, obviously, but you, you want it to matter to who you're playing to. You want to, mm-hmm. you want it to somehow resonate with them so that that comes back to you. And if all you have are bars to play where people are just there to hang out and talk and you're just in the corner playing, like that's, you're not going to go very far with that. That's going to get old. It's going to get old fast. (laughs) And, you know, but like community can also be, it doesn't necessarily have to be all musicians either. It can be artists of multiple disciplines. So like having friends who are, who are painters or writers, all of those types of art makers can inspire you to create your art and they'll likely be 
supportive of what you're doing and you can cross promote and cross yeah. pollinate and all of that. Yeah. I like it. Cross pollinate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is the best part of doing what you guys do? I think just, just getting to play our music and play the music that we want to play and doing things on our terms. So, you know, playing the venues largely that we want to play. And most of those are house concerts, but that just makes a lot of sense for us right now. I think I love, I love when we can get in front of a listening audience. It's so fulfilling yeah. on both sides, both for the audience member and for us mm-hmm. um, where I feel like I can be heard, you know, and I feel like the audience is hearing me being heard <laughs> yeah and you I mean just really feel like all of the work that you put in up to that point is it's paying off when people are actually paying attention you yeah. know yeah. um so that's that's a good feeling so yeah again I think just like getting to do music on our terms because I mean there was a lot of years where I before we even met that I was doing whatever I could do it wasn't always what I wanted to do but it was like well it's a gig so at least it's a gig and right. I don't say that anymore. <laughs> like, well, the last three years, I was kind of thinking like, oh, God, I wish I had just a gig. I would kill for yes. just a gig right oh my now. Gosh. But, but yeah. no, you move on from that. And it's like your standards get higher. You know? So I feel like we, for the most part, we get to kind of do this this thing on our, our terms. And yeah, to get out in front of uh, people who are paying attention and appreciate what we do yeah. is the best. That's so important. So what's next for you guys with the album? Are you doing any touring? Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to head up to the lacrosse Wisconsin area to do a house concert album release show on, on the release date on March 31st. And then from there, we're going to spend the rest of the year touring around. We've got some things in the works to go east and stuff that'll be announced at a later date but we expect to be spending the greater part of the rest of this year going wherever wherever they will hear us yeah and we had talked about instead of doing an album release show which what we usually do we would just do an album release tour so every night of the tour it's like an album release show in a new city in a new city yeah yeah. i like that yeah very cool. Where can people find you online and connect and listen? And where's your favorite place to hang out? Are you big on social media or not? I would say probably he's not. <laughs> Someone's got to manage it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do it without it. Um, I'm a visual person outside of playing music. So I tend to hang out on Instagram more than anything. So at Stone and Snow everywhere i deleted our twitter because twitter but yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm really using it that's just not my scene we're not doing the tiktoks no we're not on the tiktok because (laughs) because somebody told us if we didn't get on tiktok five (laughs) times a day we would we wouldn't (laughs) succeed oh no i hate that and who has time for that right well and as a cybersecurity professional in a previous life i would uh recommend not using it yeah for security (laughs) reasons but yeah that makes sense so instagram's where it's at and then is it stoneandsnow.com as well yep yeah yep awesome cool well congrats on the album 
Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, yeah it's good talking well, to you guys. Yeah, good talking to you. Thanks for thanks. having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Bye. All right, see ya. Thank you to Karen and Clint for being my first duo interview. That was fun. And thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the Made of Dreams podcast, make sure that you are subscribed wherever you listen so that you don't miss an upcoming episode. You can also head to madeofdreamspodcast.com and sign up for the Dreamer's Digest, where you will receive my creative state checklist, which is all of my tips and tricks for getting and staying in a creative flow. Until next time, dream on. Now, please enjoy The Hardest Part of Loving You by Stone and Snow. Mm-hmm.